podcast where we talk about games some of the time and anime only like half of the times. I'm Catherine Fox. I'm Esteban Fajardo. <laughs> Yay! We did it. We uh, said our names. And this, yeah, this is, uh, this is free Wi-Fi. Second episode of 2019 already. It's been a wild time since we last talked. It's one of the big exciting events that happened. Um, it's going to be several weeks when you and everyone, everyone listens to this episode, but we're fairly fresh off the heels of H-Bomber Guys, Donkey Kong 64, 101% speed run. Well, nightmare stream nightmare stream which i don't know if you were aware of it like before it started happening but i remember when he announced it and i thought it was gonna amount to you know it would be neat like i would probably check in a few times i've like tuned into like a couple of his streams before but never stuck around much he used to live stream playing chess oh my gosh really amazing yeah and he wasn't particularly good at chess um <laughs> better than me for sure but like would lose these matches and would, was just like talking about stuff and playing chess those were great so i didn't expect it to have much much larger an audience than uh, than those other streams, but um, because this was a charity stream to raise money for mermaids and spitefully raise uh, awareness uh, for uh, trans rights in the UK, in the UK specifically, but in spiteful defiance of Grand Linham, who was uh, interfering with mermaids' ability to get some funding from a from a lottery that they won. So, anyways, that stream blew up and became a huge industry wide event where everyone sort of adjacent to the game sphere. Um, and outside of it, it even was, was paying attention. And... It was it was just captivating to watch unfold because I kind of had the same reaction. It's like, oh man, I'm gonna check it out because uh, I'm I'm an H Bomber guy fan, and I saw his video like announcing it, like oh oh it's finally happening, cool. But I I start I, I checked in, and he was already like I, I don't even know how how many hours in he was, but he had Sobek written across his forehead. <laughs> He had guests in the chat. It was Jenny Nicholson in the chat when I I tuned in, and then I was just, it was just I couldn't look away. <laughs> like there was always something happening, and you never knew who was going to come onto the chat next. And the numbers just kept going up. It was pretty incredible. I was reading somewhere where he expected to get like maybe three thousand dollars, and he raised <laughs> like what? He raised a hundred times that. He raised. Like three hundred thousand dollars, probably more more than that, right? Three hundred forty thousand dollars. There was just so much like camaraderie and like. It was a big old community event. It was great. One thing I am curious about though is um why the stream was measuring the donations in dollars and not pounds. Oh, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a great question. I have no idea. Well, <laughs> no answers here. Who who knew that live streaming could be such a powerful tool? I think we all knew because AGDQ happens every year. And raises mm-hmm. thousands and thousands of dollars for cancer prevention. The community events that those things sort of like create, like it's a huge part of uh, yeah. being in the games world and then being on like online communities uh, in general. Um, games have been great as being a focal point where people can come together and talk, even if it has nothing to do with the game. Like the fact that it was Donkey Kong 64 didn't matter at all to the popularity of the stream. Um, it just provided sort of a structure for. Mm-hmm. people to come together and talk and like if they want to talk about the game like that was cool there was always something to fall back on that for that it was it was a good way to just structure and give uh, give some some drama to that stream h bomber guy struggles to beat those those beavers and uh, <laughs> beaver beaver bother. and all yeah. that stuff but yeah like it, there's a lot of people now uh like growing up that don't play many games but still have a huge vocabulary and familiarity with games because they'll always be watching other people playing games and that's a uh, it's like that's a huge part of just like the way games have 
become part of the fabric of, yeah. uh, of life. It connects people from all over the place. And now I'm remembering, you know that scene in Summer Wars when she's like trying to beat the AI and yeah. she's out of money and she's like about to lose and then everyone in the world is just like, he's my avatar. And then I start crying because I, I have like such a soft spot for moments like that. It was like, that was like the same experience I was having watching this stream. It was like, oh my gosh, there's so many, there's so many people in the world who just want to do good and it's so sweet. And I'm going to cry now. <laughs> it's, just, it's just cool to see people coming together to do something. Yeah. And I mean, I, you've got way more experience with like streaming stuff than I do. Like, I don't think I've ever. You've never streamed? I, I, I've streamed like, I, I streamed a little bit when like Hitman 2 came out and I was like, <laughs> I wanted to play it. Then I felt like lonely. I was just like, yo, no one else has this game. Does anyone want to just like see what it's about? So like yeah. a few people like uh, checked into that for like a little bit and stuff. Um but it's not something that I like have much experience with beyond beyond like that. So I started live streaming back when I was playing Bloodborne a lot. I don't remember what got me started on it, but I have a PS. I got a PS4, um, and what's great about the PS4 is that it has streaming stuff all built in, so you can just do it. Yeah, it's literally just a press of a button away. And it's really cool. Like I never like have a ton of people in my chat, but people you have like. Fans. I, yeah, I had some. Um, I, I kind of fell off of it for a while, so they've. I'm sure they've moved on to other things. But I gotta say though, it's legit like a crime that you didn't like instantly become like a famous streamer because your streams are hilarious. <laughs> I, like, I think part of the reason what, why I found it so fun is that like I, ha I was rooming with you guys, um, mm -hmm. and you guys were always in the background, like also enjoying it with me. Um, and once I moved out of that situ out of that living situation, it became a little harder to stream because I didn't really have anybody like with me to bounce off of. Mm. Um, and it was just like a really fun way to like spend time with my friends and also some random people on the internet. <laughs> uh, but recently, um, I got back into it because I miss it and I'll definitely go back to Bloodborne soon. But what I decided to, um, come back with is Undertale because it's a game that everybody has played except me and it's, it's very, very good. <laughs> Wait, did you, did you beat it? No, um, I didn't get that far. All right, no spoilers. Nobody else listening to this podcast say anything. I went on a date with Papyrus. Oh, nice. I think that's where I'm at. And apparently, I had one person in chat who was telling me how far I had to go. I think maybe I have like 70% left of the game. I guess I'm not even halfway yet. Undertale's kind of hard to judge because it's like, are you just doing uh, like a single run? Was that person like talking about like the full 100% experience of Undertale, which involves running through it like again, which I've, I've never done. I only played it. Oh, I, I mean, once. I think they meant like, just the main storyline. I, I I don't know. Okay, yeah. Actually, the day with Papyrus is pretty early on, now that I remember. Yeah. Um, Undertale's really good. I'm really impressed with just the comedy and how well it's written and how lovable it makes all these characters so, so quickly. I just fall in love with the Skeleton Brothers, like, right away. Yeah. Um, it's so good. So I'll continue streaming that. I, I tr I've tried a couple times now to, like, get back into streaming, but what really triggered my return to it was tuning into Scarzard's uh live stream earlier this week yeah Patrick Scarborough was a, a friend of ours uh we we're in, we we're in college when when we met him and he was working yeah. at Riot at the time he he's incredibly personable optimistic fellow like uh these just Patrick rules and yeah. uh yeah he's continued doing a doing a bunch of streams and he's managed to foster a really positive nice community around his streams and uh, everybody should check him out because he's great. So he, he he was streaming a game and you were like... I follow him on Twitter, so I, I can always see when he's like about to stream. Uh, but this time he was playing Dream Daddy. 
so I wanted to, I had nothing to do, so I was like, hey, I play Dream Daddy. Uh, I want to see him play Dream Daddy. And Dream Daddy is so good. Whose dad also, was hotter? Whose dad was hotter? Whose dad's Sona, I should say. Oh, I think my dad's Sona was superior. Um, <laughs> I, I made mine look as much like Phospholite from Land of the Lustrous as I could. Oh, so the name wasn't an accident. That was very... No. You named your character after that. No, his, so. <laughs> instead of Phospholite, his name is Phosphil, and his last name is Ike. So, <laughs> Phospholike. But you didn't tell me about the last name. That's, uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> And it's great because it kind of sounds like Phil, but with a Foss in front of it, like Foss Phil. Maybe I'll put a picture of him up later because I love him and he's great. And he's a great dad. So um, I have a question. Yeah. Um, because like Undertale and Dream Daddy are both heavily like narrative and text-based games. Which is probably why of... I like them so much. Yeah. I was curious though how that like intersects with like streaming though because I feel like often like the joys of of watching a stream is seeing like someone's personality really like coming through when mm-hmm. the games themselves are filled with like so much personality and like you have to read a whole bunch like are the streamers reading aloud what the, the uh, dialogue yeah. is saying or like, a, a lot of um there's like a ton of different kinds of streams there's like the esports kind where it's really competitive there's like speed runs which are like just trying to get through a game as quickly as possible they have a timer up on the screen there's just there's chill streams that's like a whole subcategory which is just, I, I'm actually subscribed to a lot of them. It's just playing games casually. So, and there are other categories. Like, there are some categories on Twitch that aren't even games. Like, there's like just talking is a, is a category. I saw one the other day where somebody was just live streaming from their phone, just walking around Japan at night. So yeah, there's a lot of variety now. And with narrative games, um, I mean, narrative games are a really popular to stream because. You can, especially games where you can make decisions because then audience can participate in those decisions. Mm, um, yeah. And you can react to the narrative, you can build a character with your audience and just make up things that they would say. Like, it's it's all good fun. I love it. So, sort of like on the subject of Dream Daddy, you mentioned to me beforehand that um, what you had, you were thinking a lot about like the mini games. Yeah, one of the things that Dream Daddy does is it has mini games in some of its uh, little story chapters. And they're hilarious for several reasons. They come up randomly, like you never expect them to happen. My favorite one, I'm going to spoil it a little bit. My favorite one is you're on, uh, you're, you're at a concert with one of the dads, um, and you get separated in like just a rowdy, like all, all these teens dancing to the music. And it cuts to the minigame section, and it's like, avoid those youths. And you just like you have to jump across these these squares to avoid people to get to the end. And what's great about the mini games is that they're they're funny because they're spontaneous, and they're also like low, really low fidelity. I guess is is the is the way to put it. Do you like, mean like visually or? What do you mean? A lot of the time visually, like it's using very simple like three D objects some of the time, which is hmm. funny because it's like completely opposite from what you're normally experiencing in the game which is like these yeah, 2D 2D visual novel yeah. visual style. I'm very surprised to hear that there's 3D. Yeah, it's 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 really funny. Like you're interacting with these 2D characters and then it cuts to like a 3D block and it's like carve that thing and you're, you're like sliding <laughs> a, a 3D knife across this just cube until it turns into a duck or something. It's cool. It's great. And they're also just they're just like bite-sized. They're just really small and simple and they're not really that like challenging. They're fun little activities that relate to the story that you've been experiencing, and it's just like they're they're a joy. So um, I had the idea where um, oh I, I need something to do because last week I was like really unsure about 
what project I should tackle next or what I should even like do with my time or Mm -hmm. like whatever. And I just, I just wanted to make something. So I thought to myself, oh, I could make a a dream daddy mini game. If I was on the the dream daddy team and I was asked to make a mini game for, for one of the roots, what, what could I make? That's, that's simple to build, simple to play. Uh, so that's, that's what I tackled. Um, do you want to know? That, was, yeah, tell me about your idea. What, what, uh, what so, is the minigame? So, uh, like any good dad, I am crazy for dogs. Um, <laughs> so I decided to make a dog petting minigame, which I have not played the entire game. There could very well already be a dog petting minigame in the game, <laughs> but I don't know that. I, I, at the time of this recording, as far as I know... <laughs> There is no dad. There is no dog petting mini game in Dream Daddy yet. So well, we can submit the idea. <laughs> we'll submit the idea to the trademark office, and if they say nope, that's already taken, then we'll we'll, we'll let us know. <laughs> nope, Dream Daddy get did it before you. You're not allowed. <laughs> but um, yeah, dog petting. Pet that dog. So you got to pet a dog. What what's the what's the interaction? What is the player doing? One of the things that makes these uh, little mini games funny is that. Um, a lot of the time you're controlling just like a floating hand or a floating knife or whatever. What? <laughs> it's a bit, there's a couple mini games. Um, so, so all you are is a floating hand and you are presented with the image of a dog. Wait, are we talking about a JPEG dog? Um. Have you heard about JPEG dog? <laughs> Do you know about JPEG dog? <laughs> no. That was one of the big, big pieces of news this week out in the gaming world. All you gamers out there, you know about JPEG dog. Ace Combat 7 released and has fully rendered cutscenes with 3D models, except for this dog that shows up. That is just a 2D JPEG of a dog. I think I've seen this, actually. It's delightful. It is, okay, unfortunately it's a bit sadder than just, like, how funny it looks, because that was one of the developer's real dogs who passed away, and they wanted to memorialize him by including a picture of him in it. But it looks amazing. It looks great. I'm so glad that they put this real dog in the game, because there's these (laughs) 3D anime characters, and then they're just, like, standing next to a photo real 2D flat dog. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. I love that. JPEG dog everywhere, please. Yeah, anyway... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's actually a png um but yeah so I, i've been building it in 2d so it's just like a 2d image of a dog um and you have to click a spot on the dog in order to pet it but different dogs have different preferences about where they like to be pet you know mm-hmm. so they it might like the ears it might like the back and it might not like other places so depending on where you click it'll react like yay or it'll growl at you um, and then I had the extended idea, well, maybe like some dogs aren't ready to be pet and you need to feed them first or you need to brush them first, but that's kind of like a stretch goal. So all I have right now is a dog with two hit boxes on them and you can <laughs> click them. Um, pet boxes? Pet boxes. That's exactly what they are. That's what they're called in the scripts. I, I always thought that Wi-Fi would be a good name for a dog. Um, really? Yeah. Come over here. Come over here, Weefy. We, we, we. that's almost like waifu what oh no okay i changed my mind okay but what would be what would be a better what would be a better name for dog jpeg or png jpeg yeah i mean they're both bad but <laughs> okay which is the least least bad is jpeg you say i think jpeg is better than png this week's discussion question over on the over on our twitters is going to be which is the the best name for for uh the dog you gotta name GIF. the dog in this minigame, right? Jif? 
GIF might be. Well, might ideally, be there's going to be a couple. Wait, different wait, dogs. wait, 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 wait. Is it GIF or GIF? That's that's the that's the question, isn't it? Okay, so the four options on this Twitter poll are going to be PNG, JPEG, GIF, parentheses, GIF, <laughs> and then GIF parentheses. <laughs> yeah, yeah, do it. Yeah, we have a Twitter now. We can do that. We can do anything. At free podcast. Wait, what is it called? Free Wi-Fi podcast on Twitter. Yeah. Everyone yeah, podcast. so good. Anyway, um, ideally there would be, in my game, there's going to be um, a couple of different dogs that you'll get. So once you're done, once you've pet one enough, it'll be happy and then it'll slide away and you'll get a new dog. You get a new dog? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm working on. And just for fun, I might dress it up like a Dream Daddy game, like have the pet that dog prompt at the beginning and like a score and some sound effects and stuff. So just nice. because I'm a fan art person, you know? We established yeah. this in episode one. Fan art. <laughs> That's what I'm about. <laughs> so, yeah, dog petting minigame. We've been talking about me and my life for enough. What's our discussion topic this week, Esteban? What are we talking about? Well, uh, what I was working on, um, I had opened up the investigation game, which has been my project that I've been working on as we've been, uh, been putting together this podcast and doing all this stuff. But I haven't touched this project in months. It's been mm-hmm. a long time. There's been a lot of stuff between um, between the last time we were we were recording and talking about it, and and now the whole holidays happen. You've forgotten half your code. I've forgotten so much of my code. That's kind of what happened. I opened the project, looked at it, and was just like, "Oh my god, what was I thinking about? What was my plan?" <laughs> and I have a plan. I just don't remember it, and it was spread across so many uh, notebooks that I've been mm. keeping and stuff. That I was like, "All right, all right, consolidate if, all those notebooks." Yeah, pull all the breaks. <laughs> Close the editor. Let's uh, let's go back and uh, figure out some documentation. Tidy stuff. Like, up those thoughts. Yeah, let's let's make sure that um, everything is like organized, and I have like the plan ahead of me so that I understand what I'm doing. Because then, otherwise, if you're sort of like making games by the seat of your pants, it can just make a huge mess, just a huge mm-hmm. mess of code. And so, last week or last episode, we talked about sort of putting together like the premise the game figuring out what like the experience goals and like the mandate and stuff and uh this dovetails quite nicely with what i usually do after that where i'm figuring out what the core loop of the game is going to be like this is where i figure out how the gameplay is gonna is gonna look like moment to moment and how uh, beginning to end takes place from like a mechanical level so i'd love to just talk about what i was doing with the investigation game to make that happen yeah tell us well maybe we should start with defining what a, like a core loop is well in literature and like novels and a lot of other types of media it's linear where the experience will have a beginning and the experience will have an end and you can have all sorts of dramatic arcs and whatever in, in the process, but it is following a very linear time scale where as time passes or as you're reading it, beginning and end, you have flashbacks and all that sort of stuff, but your experience of experiencing it is going to be very linear. Um, and we experience games linearly too, but the experience in a game is often structured using loops where you'll be performing actions and repeating those actions um, several times. So let's look at like chess. Okay. I make a move, you make a move, I make a move you make a move. That's sort of like the core loop. We're going to repeat this uh, exchange of actions until we reach a terminal point and then we exit the loop and the game is over. We can break down the loop that sort of happens in like chess by going through like what is the thought process that each player is going to have while they're, while they're going through it and try to give form and structure and definition to that. So like I might look at the game board, I'll like take in what the game state is, I will identify which pieces I have that might be vulnerable, I'll identify which pieces my opponent has that might be vulnerable. 
and then I might try to figure out like what pieces I can move to get into like an attacking position or a defending position, and then I'll make my move, and then I'll pass off to the other person. And that sequence of actions like constitutes sort of like the loop. And that's useful when it comes to video games because the act of programming a game often involves programming very explicitly what those loops are. Mm -hmm. So if you have like an update function in code, which means it's going to be the scripts that run every single frame, it'll run through these lines of code in order, and then at the end of it, it'll go back to the very top of that and it'll run through it again. That's just how game programming generally works. To have something that can react in real time, like it's going to be running back over through the same code every time, and then parameters are going to have it change its reactions and stuff. That's a super technical way to define a game loop. I don't know what a like a simpler way to do it would be. And you were thinking about uh, your your investigation game core loop. Yeah, and so the experience goal with the investigation game and sort of its premise is that the player is trying to solve a murder mystery that's occurring over the course of these uh, these phases. Day and night pass by, and every night someone gets murdered, and your uh, pool of suspects gets a little bit smaller. And your goal is to figure out which of the suspects is the murderer uh, before too many people get killed. So you want to figure out as quickly as possible. And the more time that passes or the more loops this cycles through, the, the worse your score or however you want to quantify your own victory condition or whatever. Try to break that then to what the loops are going to be so that I can then program efficiently and very clearly what each of these NPCs, what the characters are going to be doing during each of these phases, how uh, information needs to travel across each of these uh, each of these parts of the game. And so like it starts from breaking it down like, all right, there's a day phase and there's a night phase. During the day phase, the actions the player can do are like they can uh, select a character, they can uh, talk to that character, they can ask that character questions, and they can do other things. And uh, after they ask questions, the character gives them answers, and then the player can ask more questions. And that's sort of like the general loop is the dialogue between the player and the NPC. That loop is constrained by the amount of energy like the player has. So uh, each question lowers the amount of energy. So you can only ask so many questions. When you run out of energy or you voluntarily select to end the phase, and then it goes into the night phase where the player can select an action. And the, depending on what action they select, it can result in changes in the day phase. Um, so they might have more energy the next time. Um, it can also affect the affinity that certain NPCs will have towards the player, which will make their questions cost less energy. So based on that loop, it sounds to me like it's a lot like a visual novel, actually. Yeah, or maybe well, a dating simulator, more specifically. Maybe. Maybe. I'm kind of curious. You've got a lot more. Like, I've played quite a few visual novels, but, well, um, but you've um, played even more. <laughs> I wouldn't say even more. I've played a couple. It actually depends. Some visual novels are really just straight up visual novels, and sometimes they'll they'll give you a uh, a choice and it'll branch off. Some actually have like a loop. Um, here's your chance to do all of these different activities. Like you can go to the gym, or you can do this thing, and then mm -hmm. that like contributes to like a some meter somewhere. Um, some get really really complicated. Um, uh, for the case of Dream Daddy specifically, the loop is it all comes back to this. Um, this dad book page, which is like Facebook, but for dads. Um, so basically, uh, it's, it's, re it's really simple. You just select who you want to like go on a date with, um, and then it plays that episode. And then at the end of it, it comes back to the dad book. And then throughout that yeah. episode, you have, um, you have choices that will affect how much uh, that character likes you, um, which ultimately affects the ending that you're going to get. And in between that, sometimes there's like little side quests or extra things that can happen. Um, but for the most part, it's um, dad book, date, dad book, date. So it's a really yeah. simple core loop. And you guys just finished playing Persona, which doesn't doesn't it have a similar like day-night loop that you're talking about? Uh, yeah, Persona does have uh, 
it's got a very defined loop and it has a lot in common in that. I didn't play through much of that. I was just sort of watching Alec uh, very occasionally. I mean, that counts. Through it, but yeah, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's got, it's very much got a loop. Like you have a day, you can do only certain actions. Like you've got the morning, you've got the afternoon, you've got the evening. You can only do one thing during each of those, and the actions that you take will uh, change stats that will affect the other activities you can do in the real world or stuff that you can do when you're dungeon crawling. Uh, and yeah, I mean, every game has loops. Almost, mm-hmm. almost every single game will will have uh, that interaction cycle, even if it's so simple as just like have options, select two of these options, and go down a narrative tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and did you did you make any progress with your investigation game when you went back to to plot out these loops? I was able to confront some design choices that that I didn't have answers for yet. Because as soon as I was mapping it, I was like, all right, the biggest point of uncertainty in the game design right now is how does the player end the game? What does the player do when they think they know who the murderer is? If there's an accuse button, where does that accuse button exist? Is that one of the questions that you can ask? Or is that a, um, a, an activity that you do during the night? And I had like two different versions of like the tree, uh, or sorry, the, the core loop, where it was like, all right. You exit the game during the night phase or you exit the game during like the day phase. Like, What is it going to look like between both of those? And being able to illustrate it in a visual way was uh, very helpful to figuring out, like, all right, if the player accuses a, a character of being the murderer, um, if that costs energy in the same way that asking a question does, that could tie into some interesting things where if the NPC and the player are more affectionate towards each other, if they have more of a history that's built up, then it can be more expensive to accuse them because it would feel emotionally like, ah, I, I don't want to accept this, that, that this person <laughs> that I have spent some time with uh, could be at right. home. And so then it makes sense to put that with like the questions. If it's like just an activity that you do, um, then there's no friction to, to, to choosing that. And so... So you'll probably change it to be one of the one of the questions that you can ask. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be sort of like with that category of stuff. But yeah, mostly organizing the stuff is just a lot of it's a lot of bookkeeping, kind mm-hmm. of uh, keeping things tidy, just so that like when it comes down to programming the thing, uh, I can have a much better sense of it because I and we'll post we'll post the core loop that I that I made so yeah. that people can kind of see it because I try to la- outline where some variables are. It helps a lot to map it out visually in like a flowchart. For for me personally, if if, if I'm ever having like. A design problem doing flowcharts like this. I was curious about uh, how you go about uh, mapping and illustrating, diagramming things out because I know that you do like some UX work and even uh, mm-hmm. outside of like your job when you're doing design stuff. Do you ever diagram stuff and what does it look like? What's your approach? You know, mostly I open up uh, Microsoft Visio as a program where you can make flowcharts. Um, you can get free programs like you can do it on Google Draw even. Well, I, I have a recommendation. Uh, at some point, I don't really know when this happened, but Google integrated uh, Draw.io as one of their object types that you can sort of create. So you can make documents, you can make slides, all this sort of stuff in like Google Drive. You can also make, if you go down through some submenus, something called the Draw.io, which is all for wireframing and diagramming stuff. It's just an endless canvas uh, in any direction. It's got lots of Whoa. presets. So you can build your own stuff for it. That it's sounds like, great. I should try that. It's super powerful super powerful yeah like making diagrams is something that i am trying to improve upon because i'm really simplistic at the moment a lot of the times i'll just i'll break it up by um like whatever screen you're looking at um just because that's that's usually where my mind is at um it really depends on what you're diagramming really yeah yeah i I need more practice i guess is what i'm saying i mean yeah i i make a lot of different types of diagrams for different things so like i sent you one yeah, you sent me, you sent me a really a... complicated one for for an investigation <laughs> game. Let me pull it up on my phone. Yeah, so yeah. I sent you three. I sent you three. Uh... Like one simple one, which is like the simple loop, 
yep. um, which has yep. the day and the night uh, areas, and then it loops between those, um, and then eventually it branches off to the end once you accuse the murderer. Yeah. Um, and then, and then the second one, one is I'm not explain the second one because it looks like a bunch of cards to me. Yeah, so the second one is a um, it's more of a UI mockup to walk through it. Like the player would be that center, their screen would be like sort of the center card, and they could swipe left and right. The screen would have the NPC's information, and all the questions and stuff related to an NPC would be on basically a card that's the size of the phone screen, and you can okay. swipe left and right to. Uh, Oh, so and this is okay. Each of these cells NPCs. is the size of like a phone screen. I see. Yeah, now. and then if you swiped up, you could see the journal, which has like the information you're collecting from everybody, and it's a different way to like access information. And if oh, you it's almost the like pages way, of a book that you've laid out here. Totally. Yeah. So it's trying and to time, figure out. And time is the is the z axis. Yeah. Yeah. So the the stuff would change there. So yeah, I was figuring out just like how to start taking the diagrams and flowcharts I was making for the core loop and. What's that going to look like in the player's hands? This is so cool. I love I love I love diagrams. I love plotting information into a diagram. Uh, and this this big one that you sent me on my phone is it just a more detailed version of of uh, just the general the simple loop? loop? Yeah. So the simple loop I actually uh, made I like afterwards. Like I usually start with a, a complex loop, trying to just do and just get everything I, out there. Just everything out there. Just like step by step, what might be going on? Like when does the game going to murder one of the NPCs what is being shown to the player like at that time and uh what are what are like the if statements that uh the game will will run into so like if the player asks a question it's gonna do a statement to check like what's the energy that the player has is that greater than the cost of the question uh divided by the affection that the current NPC has and those things like the affection when is that getting influenced and stuff and so there's arrows leading down to uh, when yeah. that can be changed. And- yeah, again, this is really helpful for when you're actually building these systems so you know what yes. what uh, if statements to put into the game or yeah. into the into the uh, code. Yeah, so it's really good to, uh, to write out core loops, uh, especially for, like, multiplayer games, which this isn't. But, um, like, when we worked on, like, Chambara, we were unable to make AI opponents for the player. When we had, like, investigated that, one of the things I did was, like, go through and try to make core loops for what does the player think about while they're playing the game, partially so we can understand the game, figure out what's fun and what, what the player's thinking about. But also, that same core loop can be used to program AI stuff, too, because you want the AI to follow the same loop that a player would be following through. And so if you understand what the decision points that the player is going through, then you can program AI to, to um, go through the same step. Diagram gang! I love diagram. There's, a, there's also like an aesthetic to them that I, that I really enjoy. I had, a, I had a co-worker tell me once that it was just like, this is the most beautiful diagram I've ever seen. And like, <laughs> oh, that's it was a great compliment. It was something we threw out like immediately because <laughs> like the design changed and we didn't need like that thing. But I felt very proud that like I was able to illustrate very clearly and succinctly this is what we we could be building there. And I was like, that that's awesome. I I I would love to get that kind of compliment. All right, we should wrap up this episode, probably, right? If you want to check out my live streams, my <laughs> my username on Twitch right now is fox underscore at underscore play. So fox at play with underscores between each word. But I, I might change it again because I'm not wholly satisfied with fox at no, play. No, fox at play is so good. It is cute. Before it was Catherine to fox, but. Every time I joined into a stream and, like, typed something, they would refer to me by my first name and it creeped me <laughs> out a little bit. So um, I changed it to Fox at Play. So Fox at Play on Twitch. I don't have a schedule yet, so I, I don't know. Um, Esteban, do you want to stream with me one of these days? And we can 
talk about games. Yeah, that could be cool. That could be cool. I don't know how we would do it logistically. We'll figure it out. So that's the end of the episode. Don't forget uh, to reduce your carbon footprint. And we'll see you in like two weeks, I guess. Goodbye. Goodbye.